Hey, it's Kaylee Cuoco for Priceline. Ready to go to your happy place for a happy price? Well, why didn't you say so? Just download the Priceline app right now and save up to 60% on hotels. So whether it's Cousin Kevin's Kazoo concert in Kansas City, go Kevin! Or Becky's Bachelorette Bash in Bermuda. You never have to miss a trip ever again. So download the Priceline app today. Your savings are waiting. Go to your happy place for a happy price. Go to your happy price, Priceline. This is a HeadGum Podcast. Ah, there you are, traveler. Come inside, hang up your coat, put your feet by the fire. And I shall bring you what you so desperately seek. Rude tales of magic. Welcome back to Rude Tales of Magic. Reunited and it feels so... Well, the jury's still out. For you see... Bello, having ventured with the group deep into the gelatinous cube which consumed his hometown, has finally found his family. But his hometown has been transformed into a surrealist beachscape with danger and consequences behind every dolphin? Yeah, that's how people on vacation say corner. Bello, having eaten forbidden pizza, has begun a strange transformation that has left him completely pink and his bottom half plastic and flamingo. His own mother has completely transformed into a pink lawn flamingo. It's almost like it was a really bad idea to eat that pizza. And as if that wasn't enough, Danny Timeshare has just arrived unannounced and uninvited in Bello's childhood home. Hey, Danny. Bello! (laughs) I'm disappointed. You just couldn't take a hint, could you, buddy? (gasps) I thought he was behind this. Danny, did you... Did you do all this for me? Bello, you're a special boy. You really are, I tell you. Yeah, I did all this. I I, I assumed you might have put the pieces together at some point or another, but I really did. And I want to... You're about to learn some stuff. I really did try to help you out here. Oh. Oh. Oh, thank you. You're very welcome. That's great. No, Bello, I think he's... <laughs> I think he's behind all the bad shit that's happening here. You yeah, know, let's find out how those little twig legs are better than Bello's previously beautiful blue boys. Danny Timeshare, what do you want? Oh, excuse me. You, you talking to a god like that? I'm a god. My name is Danny Timeshare, and I'm here to talk to my cleric, Bello. Now, Bello, you got some mouthy friends, and I, that's fine. But I'm here to talk to you, all right? I owe you an explanation, and you are going to get it. But you know what? Because I'm a fair god, I'll give the same explanation to everybody. And at that, Danny snaps his fingers. And all ten of you, you find yourselves at the beginning of a long line of expressionless tourists waiting to go on a ride called The Story of Brian Doyle Falls. The wait reads, Infinity Minutes. You hear Danny's voice whisper, Hey, over here! And you see a person in a Danny Timeshare mascot costume waving to you. They stand in front of an empty line that reads, Line Hoppers This Way. You're led quickly through an air-conditioned building with a 
all sorts of strange vacationed memorabilia. A suitcase with all sorts of exotic passport stickers on it. A novelty check-sized postcard that reads, Greetings from Danny Timeshare Ngrela, working title. And a lava lamp which displays a short pre-ride video where Danny Timeshare reminds you to keep your arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. You make it to the end of the line. And you see a small 10-person vehicle on a track leading forward into palm tree-lined darkness. A small cartoon cutout Danny Timeshare sign that reads, You must be this tall to learn the story of Brian Doyle Falls changes sizes to accommodate each of you individually as you're all led onto the track. You're all seated with the Garamiel family in back and bars are lowered down onto you, locking you into your seats. Danny Timeshare, dressed for a safari, appears at the front cart and speaks into a lapel mic. All right, who's ready? Yeah. What is this? Me ready. Yeah. Oh, good enough. <laughs> Beautiful, let's go. Now remember to keep those arms and legs inside the vehicle at all times. I don't want to have to pick blood and guts out of the track again. <laughs> again. All right, good group, good group. And uh, with a lurch, the cart begins to move forward, and all of you are pulled into darkness. Bello is going to lean forward. Cordelia is sitting in the seat in front of him, mm-hmm. and he's going to say, uh, I'm starting to worry. Maybe this isn't what I... Maybe this isn't good... Cordelia's eyes are wide and she's looking forward and she sort of strains backwards to try to catch his eye and be like, I'm worried too, Bello. Keep your hands and legs inside of the vehicle. All ten of you are in the cart moving forward into complete darkness. In the back, the Garamiel family, they seem less chipper, less cheerful than usual. Mel is, is whispering and he, he's... He's comforting Mona. Uh, she has a, a very different tone to her voice. She's still a plastic flamingo, but you hear uh, her voice. She says, oh, no, oh, no, it's, it's happening again. It's happening again. No, no, no. And um, Val and Mandy, uh, they all, they're just sort they're with each other. And uh, they, they have a much quieter and, and more solemn demeanor than the rest of the group. You move forward and you take a left and a right. You can't see, even with dark vision, you can't see what's going on until you turn a corner and you see, illuminated in the darkness, an animatronic Danny Timeshare. He's waving, but he looks sad. Danny says, Now on the right there, you'll see me, Danny Timeshare. As you know, I'm the god of vacationism. But you know, I didn't always used to be this way. You turn another corner and you see a very strange figure, a tall gray figure with a signpost for a head. And on each sign, they're all pointing in different directions. And each sign has an eye on the end of it. Now I used to be the god of travel. But then, famously, 
My pantheon got consumed into another pantheon. They already had a god to travel. So what was I to do but become... You turn another corner, and you see Danny Timeshare. He is on a beach. This is a well-lit room. Danny Timeshare is waving to you from a beach. There are uh, two flamingo birdmen on either side of him, and flying up above him is a, uh, a scarlet macaw with a, uh, a puka shell halo. Uh, these are all animatronic uh, creatures. This is... Uh, they, they wave... Uh, repetitively and Danny waves to himself and says, Hi Danny and it's timed perfectly and the Danny of the ride says, Why hello Danny? I'm the god of vacations now. We invented it just for me. Then you turn another corner. And Danny says, oh, but no, there was a problem. And you see an animatronic room full of uh, animatronic people at desks working away. Uh, There's a person, it's like a a factory room. And there's an animatronic man with a whip uh, that is just like moving the whip back and forth slowly. And you hear his voice say, back to work, back to work. And Danny says, you see, I was born into a world where vacations didn't exist yet. So I had to spread the good news of vacationism far and wide. That's why I came up with, and you pass under uh, a a little, it looks like a waterfall, but it it parts. Uh, You guys got little splashes on the the side of you, but uh, you know, it's, you're not, you're not soaked or anything like that. No water goes into anyone's mouth. You, uh, you follow the ride into the next room and you see uh, some people who look a little bit like Bello. They have puka shell necklaces, they have uh, zinc on their noses, and they're shaking hands with people. They're knocking on doors, they're shaking hands with people. And he says, So that's why I invented vacationism clerics to spread the good word and the good news of vacationism far and wide. But unfortunately, there was a problem. And you turn another corner and you see an animatronic vacationism cleric with a big straw hat over his eyes. There's a fishing line tied to his toe uh, and it leads into uh, the water and he's sleeping. He says, the vacationism clerics by design are lazy people. They don't (laughs) tend to get up off their ass and spread the good word of vacationism. Oh no, vacationism was dying. What was Danny Timeshare to do? You turn a corner and you're in another room and there's a Danny timeshare in there who's waving at you and there is a candle over his head uh, just sort of to signify that he has just received a very good idea. He says, that's when I had the good idea. And there's a little drop. You all go down. Find yourselves in another room, and this one, there are scale models everywhere. This looks like an idyllic beach town. It is beautiful. The lights really come on in this room. It seems like there's sky. If you really look for it, you can see the edges of the room that you're in. But, you know, if you just look at it casually the way you're intended to, you it looks it's like a little optical illusion that there's infinite sky all around you. A happy sun hangs down from the sky, and uh, small animatronic people move back and forth and happy music plays as Danny Timeshare says. That's where I came up with the idea for Danny Timeshare Grilla. Working title. We are not, we're not married to that title yet. But this is the thing. Vacationism. It was, it's still a very small religion. Only last year we were bumped up from cult to fringe religion. That's not good. Those are bad numbers. So I had the great idea to bring vacations to the people. People have heard about the expensive coast, but it's dangerous to get there. It's expensive to get there. People don't even know if it's a rumor or not. And so I had a great idea. Oh no. Cordelia, hear him out. (laughs) Okay. You're right, you're right. My 
idea was to try to transform Brian Doyle Falls into the perfect vacation town. A town that is open 26-9 due to the Cordelian calendar. It's a vacation destination where residents of the highly populous greater capital region could go to get away from it all without having to really get away from it all. It's so hard to go on destination vacations. Just thought I'd bring it home. And hey, if people got to learn more about vacations along the way, and if that were to lead to a massive influx of worshippers, hey, that's great! Yeah, maybe that'd make me a little bit more of a powerful god. That'd be pretty cool. Eh, you know, who knows? That's just my cool idea. And so, you turn another corner, and you are, uh, once again, you are in this town, but the, the vision of what you're able to see is a little bit more focused. You see a group, uh, it's a big room, and there are all sorts of uh, animatronics of, of townspeople waving up into the sky. They're all, they're waving happily, and you hear pre-recorded voices say, Wow! Danny Timeshare. That's Danny Timeshare. Danny Timeshare's here to make everything all better. And up above you, an animatronic of uh, this scarlet macaw is lowered from the ceiling out of the darkness, and it has a light-up halo of puka shells. And Danny's voice comes out of it and says, Don't worry, people of Brian Doyle Falls. I'm here to turn your town from a boring suburb into an exciting land of vacations. You turn one more corner and uh, you see Danny shaking hands with an animatronic uh, uh, slime creature. He says, and with a little bit of help from my friend Oozer, the god of slimes and oozes and, and mucus and all that stuff, I was able to sort of contain it in one spot. And that's it. That's the entirety of the story. That's exactly how it went. Thank you so much. Uh, and there, uh, you guys can exit through the gift shop. And at that, the ride moves forward into the darkness, comes to an abrupt stop, and you feel the lights turn back on, and you are in that same waiting room where you are put onto the ride, and all of the uh, all of the seats, they lift up, and you are able now to step out of the, the ride. And uh, Danny, who's still talking to you guys, says, all right, step to the left, step to the left. We've got another group coming in here. Step to the left. Okay, so there's no drop. I just, no drop at all. No, no, this is more of a dark ride kind of thing. It's more, it's more a little bit of educational. Because if I, if I see a line like that, I assume it's going to be a drop. So, it, 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 Albie boots him in the butt a little bit. <laughs> Ow! Hey, Bello. What? Um, come look at this. She's in the she's in the gift shop, and she's like she's holding it like a pencil case that has the god the Oozer god shaking hands with Danny Timeshare. Yeah, this reminds me of that part of the ride, actually. Right. It's causing me a little mm, tension. Little... And at that bellow, at tension, mm-hmm. you hear your mom. She's just like inconsolable. She's oh no, 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 no. And she's just like struggling. And your dad's like holding her, trying to keep her. And she's just like, she's struggling. And uh, she's, that's not how it happened. That's not how it happened at all. That's not what happened, Bello. Bello, that's not what happened. Make him tell the truth. Make him tell the truth. Bello, make him tell the truth. Mom, 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 what happened? He won't tell you, not telling the truth. And at that, Danny is going to step forward and he's going to say, oh, 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 the Garamules. Yeah, no, I'm, I'm very familiar with the Garamules. Uh, Mona, why don't you, maybe you've been drinking or something. Why don't you just, uh, you know, just a little, just quiet it down just a little bit. I think I think the ride explained everything that needed to be explained. Mel steps forward. He's pissed now. He looks Danny right in the eyes and pushes him hard. And Danny falls back. He goes, whoa, 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 buddy, what the hell? Yeah, Bella's dead! Mel looks at Albie, and he nods, and he looks back at uh, 
Danny and he says, uh, I think you owe our son an actual explanation of what actually happened because we're going to tell him regardless. If you love him as much as you say you do, then I think you'll actually tell the truth to him. Stirfry dashes to Mel's side, uh, puts his, uh, crosses his arms and leans against Mel and goes, yeah, or you're going to have to get through me. Danny looks briefly at Stirfry. He starts to move his hand. He puts it down. He looks at Bello. He says, all right. Okay, you know what, Bello? Yeah. Fair enough. You want the true story? Yeah. All right, I guess no fucking Garamiels can just take no for an answer. Fine, Bello. I'm going to give you the true story because I really do like you and I really do... I really like you. (sighs) Well, we'll see. I thought we were bros. Maybe we can still be. Danny snaps his fingers. And you're all transported back to that final scene of the macaw talking to the town. Only this time, it's not animatronics in a dark room. You're seeing the scene as it actually happened. You have a bird's eye view of the entire thing. Brian Doyle Falls, you see it now as it once was. This is the Brian Doyle Falls Bello grew up in. A temperate, mild suburb. There is nothing beachy about this town whatsoever. Neat rows of high-income houses with well-manicured lawns. There's public art. There's a library. There's a town hall. There's tall oaks. They line every street. This is the kind of place where you usually see children riding bicycles down the street. It's a beautiful town, but everybody right now is outside of their homes looking skyward. All of the people are trembling in fear, looking up at a macaw man with a halo of puka shells that burn brighter than the sun. People avert their eyes and hold their loved ones close. Children cry out and they're shushed by their parents. You can see the Garamiels. They're far from you, but you can see them clearly. They're hugging each other in fear and confusion. Mona is as she once was, a red tiefling with fun black hair and long antelope horns. She looks scared in a way that Bello has never seen before in his life. She's even dropped her morning wine glass. The macaw speaks with Danny's voice. People of Brian Doyle Falls. I am Danny Timeshare, god of something that you'll soon learn is called vacations. I speak to you through my herald, Anaheim. I have an exciting and non-negotiable opportunity for y'all. As of today, your humble upper-middle-class suburb will be transformed into Danny Timeshare Brillard. Working title. The easy-to-get-to destination for fun in the sun, rest, and relaxation. I'm bringing something called vacation to you. It's when you take a little break. And hey, all of you will never again know the bitter taste of work. Haven't you always wanted to visit the expensive coast? Oh, but it's so far away, and most don't survive the journey. Also, due to technology levels, you can't even be sure if it really exists or if it's just a rumor. Well, I'm bringing that vacation energy home. And all of you lucky people will know my blessing today. 
He produces a champagne bottle of pineapple daiquiri. I now pronounce Danny Timeshare for Live Working Title open! And as he smashes the bottle on nothing, just his own force of will, the entire town is turned inside out through the point of the bottle. into the air, into and out of this concentrated point in the sky, and they're reassembled. Some, in fact, many, don't survive the transformation. Bello, you can see your old bully, Birthton Mess, transformed into a living cheeseburger. He tries to scream, but special sauce pours from his mouth. The terror in his eyes is erased as they turn into a big kosher pickle. He lands in his father, who was transformed into a cold draft beer. Good God Almighty! the ground and transformed into palm trees before being shot back out at the town like machine gun fire. They land haphazardly, splitting the library in half and transforming it into a novelty t-shirt store. The town hall is ripped inside out and reformed as a seedy motel with a pool on the ceiling. People are screaming and crying. Some flee to what was once a public park, but it's been transformed into a beach full of small sand dunes. As soon as each of them steps out onto the beach, they're transformed into grotesque, gargoyle-like sand sculptures. People scream and regroup and flee back to the, the center of town where mini golf courses are erupting out of the earth like miniature volcanoes. Your high school chemistry teacher, Mrs. Adjective, falls into a novelty volcano that forms under her, and she's melted into margarita mix. She erupts, and margarita mix flies into the sky, landing back down on the ground and hitting the captain of your high school netball team, Blake Holes, right in the throwing arm, transforming it into a giant crab arm. He screams and says, no, no, my netball career! Danny, in Anaheim's form, begins panicking. Oh shit, oh shit, oh no, 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 Elzer, now, now, I need that favor, now! 
The ground begins to rumble, and enormous walls of slime and ooze shoot up around the edges of town, creating a town-sized fence, containing everything and creating a false, cloudless sky. And all at once, the vision disappears. You're back in the Garami old living room. Oh my God, Bello. Oh my God. Um, Danny? With a thud, Mona, she just sort of falls to the ground. It's as if she f- fell to her knees, but she's a little uh, lawn flamingo, so she just sort of falls to the ground. She goes, no, 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 not again, not again. And uh, uh, Mandy and Val are both going to go. They're, they're going to pick her up, and they're just going to sort of rock her uh, back and forth. Bella, you've never seen Mandy and Val like this either. There's there's not a, there's not a hint of – this is like before uh, – you're, this is like the Mandy and Val from before you turned seven and they started picking on you when you were still like their little guy they were looking out for. They are. This is a softer side to them. And uh, the entire Garamiel family all goes in for a hug. Mel pulls you into it, Bello. It, guys, it's okay. It's it's going to be okay. It, it's it's. You hear Mona say, it's not, it's not going to be okay. It's not we'll going to fi- be okay. We'll, figu- we'll figure it out. We'll figure it out. We've, we've, we've actually like, we've dangled with some gods before we can fix this Albie kind of instinctively just goes over to Mel and like grabs him by the arm and like tries to comfort him yeah you feel uh yeah you go to grab his arm it feels a lot like Bello's arm it's a little softer though he just like picks you up into a bear hug he goes I'm sorry I forgot your name oh it's okay it's Albie it's nice to meet you Albie yeah I'm sorry it's it's, it's not you're not seeing us at our best we're usually we're a fun fit we are a fun family no I can tell I can tell Bella's so so great and I'm so sorry this happened to you now dad dad I got it let me handle this okay I know Uh, Danny let me handle this you know Danny yeah we've yeah I didn't know about this but I know Danny Mel's going to look back and go, Bello, I don't think you do know Danny. You might think you know Danny, but we know Danny, all right? Most of the town is dead. Most of Brian Doyle Falls is dead. They're all sand sculptures. He's going to, uh, he just, without even looking, he just reaches over to a wall and he grabs a beach umbrella and he points the hook in your face. He says, we've been using these, Bello. We've been using these to pull the sand sculptures off of the sand and bury them. We've been burying people. That's all we've been doing for six months, Bella. We've been burying the entire town. I do. You think you know him, but you don't know him. It's been terrible. We were happy to see you, but this is hell. Mona is just. <laughs> Bella, we've been burying them. We've been burying everybody. Bella's gonna uh, wheel around and face Danny. Danny is looking at his feet. He stands in front of you, though, and you've never seen a god this humble. Bello's gonna cross to Danny. Bello's gonna get. He's he's gonna be inches from Danny. All right, you're right in his face, Danny. Well, Bello, now you know. 
Yeah, okay. Enough. We, we, we have to... We, cut, we, we need to cut it out right now. Bello, I, you, you, I wish I you could. messed up. I know I did, Bello. I know Danny, I did. Danny, no, no, this is not the time for you to talk, Danny. <sighs> Say your piece. You messed up big time. You need to tell me what I need to do to fix your problem. He looks up at you, and it's like tears in Danny's eyes. Bello, there's nothing you can do. I messed up big time, Bello. I thought I thought it would be like before when I was a travel god. I overextended myself. I didn't know what to do. I just called the favor in. I panicked. I, Bello, I'm sorry. I re- you gotta know, Bello. I really didn't mean for it to go like this. The whole town turned into this this hellscape. I didn't mean for that to happen. I thought I would make a vacation. I thought I was helping everybody, but then it happened. And that's and I had to live in that world. I had to live in that reality. And there was only one loose end, Bello. It was just you. You were the only person from Brian Doyle Falls who wasn't in Brian Doyle Falls when it happened. And so I, just, I didn't know what to do. And then I, you couldn't believe my luck, Bello. You showed up to that, that, that temple of travel in episode 13 of Murder of Crows. And then I was able to, I was able to talk to you. And I, and I, I didn't realize, but I didn't know what you would be like, but you were perfect. I mean, Bello, you really, you were the, I, I, in a lot of ways, this is this was beautiful because I discovered the best cleric vacationism ever had. And you know I'm telling you the truth because I told you the truth about that other stuff, Bello, but you were the best cleric I ever had. And that's why I kept trying to throw you off the path. I sent you to Toilton. I thought that would be a mini arc at least, but you blew through that in a day. I sent you, I sent you. Uh, I thought it would be a mini arc too, to be honest. Well, you're a competent guy. You're more competent than you. Bella, you're so much smarter than you give yourself credit for. You're so much smarter than your friends give you credit. You're a good man. I sent you, I sent you the paladin. I sent you that annoying fellow. A, a little bird talked to him. I tried to, you know, divert your attention, but you just had to tell him about Brian Doyle Falls. And he's going to toss War Turtle Spoon's head towards you. <gasps> He's decapitated War Turtle Spoon and there's an apple in his mouth. He's, I had to do it, Bello. You don't understand the pressure I'm under. If word what the of fuck? This, if word, I had to kill him. Why? I didn't have any choice because he knew about Brian Doyle Falls and he was going to come here. You don't understand, Bello. As soon as word of this gets out, it's over for me. I'm not a god anymore. That's worse than a god. You don't know what they do to gods when they make them not gods anymore. It is bad, Bello. You can't even imagine how bad it is. Do they make them mortal? No, is it, Bello? We don't have time for what they do to gods. Bello, listen to me. I could have killed you. Uh huh. I could have killed you to stop this, and I didn't do it because I loved you so much. You really are my guy. You got. If you don't believe anything else, I tell you, you gotta believe you're my guy. And that's so why. So you loved him so much that you've been lying to him this whole time, making him serve the religion that destroyed his town. Have you never told a white lie to spare somebody's feelings? I was doing the softest thing I know how to do. You people are ants to me. You understand? It is. Freakish that I care about a mortal that much. And he's gonna uh, turn back to Bello and say, "But I do. I really do. There's something different and special about you, Bello, and that's why. You know, there's a silver lining to every dark cloud. I'm gonna give it to you. I'm gonna let you live. I should kill you all right now, but I'm gonna. I'm gonna let you stick around. Unfortunately, Bello, Danny Timeshare Grilla is." Well, it's not long for this world. 
You remember that that those wooden planks that your your dumbass tour guide stepped on? Uh-huh. One week ago, that was a beautiful, elaborate gazebo, but the infrastructure, it's eating itself up. This place is unstable. By my count, you probably got six hours until this entire place just disintegrates in on itself. And Oozer's been no help. He says, I've extended the favor as far as it'll possibly go. He's starting to eat the town from the outside. The town's getting smaller. So I'm going to let you enjoy these six hours. Have them with your family. Say your goodbyes. That's the kindest thing I could do. That is, Danny, that is so kind of you. Wow. Thank you, Bello. I I'm so moved. glad to hear you forgive me. Psych! Danny. Bello. I've done a great many things for vacationism. You say yourself that I'm your guy. I brought vacation to Toilton, for Christ's sakes. And Wartortle, poor Wartortle, he was your most dedicated servant. Oh, Bello, don't make me laugh. have been dedicated. All he ever did was turn people off. I think the lazy one is you, Danny. I think you're the lazy one. So I want to hear what actually you could do that might cost you just a little bit to fix this. What would it actually take of your power to fix this? You know what? I'm sick of this, Bello. I still like you, and I'm going to still give you the six hours, but I will not be spoken to like this. In fact, and he points right at Albie, and he says, you, you are the one who spoke to me like a lesser than. Just for that, and he, uh, he points his finger at you, and he says, die! And hold on one second. I'm going to roll a d10, because there's 10 of you. Oh, my God. <laughs> <laughs> he points his finger at you and he shouts, Die! And I roll a d10 because there's 10 of you. But from out of his finger, something strange happens. It begins to shake and to vibrate. And at a strange angle, missing Albie completely, pineapple da daiquiri sprays from his finger at a bizarre angle. It hits a picture of young Bello dressed as a sailor and it completely dissolves the picture and it bounces back and it hits... Naughty Nico. <gasps> right in the chest, knocking him down. Naughty Nico starts to dissolve and his body starts to fall apart as he turns into pineapple daiquiri. Stir fry rushes to Naughty Nico's dissolving body. Uh, Naughty Nico looks up at you and goes, Whoa, <laughs> whoa, uh, yeah, I actually uh, don't like this. I'm not here to make friends, but I'm not here to melt. Whoa, stir fry. Stir fry grabs, uh, grabs his head. It's okay. Just stay, stay, keep looking at me. Keep As you grab his head, the rest of him just sort of melts back down. You just have his head. He's still looking at you. He's still with you, but his body is just a, a pool of pineapple daiquiri. Naughty. Naughty. If we only have... <laughs> Yo, whoa, stir fry. <laughs> I am so cold. <laughs> yeah, it's okay. It's okay. See these eyes right now. Look into my eyes. Look at the eyes. Only time for two things right now, stir fry. <laughs> first things first. Only way out is through. You've got to go to the exact opposite point of town that you entered from. <laughs> second thing second. Yo, yeah, move my head closer to your mouth. Stir fry kisses. Yeah, oh, hell yeah. You get a mouthful of pineapple daiquiri as he just melts into your mouth. And the last thing you hear Stir Fry echoing inside of your head is, uh, you gotta slay the dragon. Oh, and Sturf, if I see you in hell, you know we're gonna make it heaven. But if I see you in heaven, oh, baby, we're gonna make it hell. Stirfry turns to Danny Timeshare, his eyes red from pink eye, but a little bit redder because of tears. He takes out his knife and starts walking towards Danny Timeshare. 
Danny Timeshare looks at you and looks at Bello, looks at everyone and says, all right, gotta go. And he uh, he snaps and he disappears. And as he does, your house begins rumbling and rumbling and rumbling and little bits of, but remember, this is all is a completely white house. It all looks like the interior of it looks exactly like the exterior material that the skull was made out of. And little bits of, uh, of this strange like, paper mache or something, they start to fall and you see wires and circuitry that you wouldn't recognize are exposed as little bits of the house begin to fall down. And and uh, Mel looks around and says, we gotta go, uh, we gotta go. Yeah, we gotta go. We gotta go. The only way out is through. We have to go to the opposite section from which we came in. Uh, we, let's see, we well, came in on, on the okay, boardwalk. Okay, if I, if I think of town as like the way it used to be, mm. then the opposite end of where we came in. Mandy just picks you up, Bello, and she goes, later, later, and she starts running with you like you're a football. No. And she just got her hand out, just moving through building, and she's just pushing walls aside, and the rest of the group is following. Mandy, listen, we gotta go to town hall. Mandy rushes forward, her enormous hand breaking a, a final hole in the wall. It's shaped like the outline of Mandy, uh, and everyone else is able to rush out through, uh, through this hole in the wall. She still has Bello under her arm, and she looks at Bello, and she's like, all right, now you can tell me what's going on. What's going on? We need to get to town hall. She puts you down and uh, sh she looks back and all of you can look back and you see Bello as your house begins shaking and shaking and shaking uh, and it begins to fall in on itself and uh, skull dust and debris and wiring and stray sparks, they begin to, uh, to fall outwards from the house and a spark actually catches the, the putting green that you guys are standing on right now and the green begins to, to burst into flames. The flames are spreading forward, heading towards you guys right now. Ah! Let's go! And 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 Bello's gonna grab Mandy's hand now and he's gonna pull her. Mandy is like shocked by this. You are like she's still stronger than you. Yeah. Um, but she's pretty impressed with you and she's Bello, yeah, all right, college, let's go. And uh, Val is running on all fours and she is just like much further than the rest of you. Uh, she runs forward, she springs onto a, uh, she digs her claws into a palm tree. She looks back at the group and says, go, go, let's go, let's go. And uh, she just, she's jumping from palm tree to palm tree and she is making incredible time. Bello is going to try and wild shape into a horse seeing, uh, seeing his sister do that inspired him. And he wants to see if he can if he can still have like horse speed and horse strength with these flamingo legs. Absolutely, um, you do. The transformation begins, and there's a, a horrible churning sound as the the top half of you. You're like a reverse uh, centaur, and the, the top of you turns into a horse. From the shoulders up, uh, you are a horse, and you're a, a pink horse's head uh, with a wild look in your eyes. And the bottom of you remains just a little, uh, a, a tiny little uh, flamingo that is just sort of sticks into the ground. Can I run faster? You still have the flamingo legs, but you have a, a horse head. So no. Exact same speed. <laughs> okay. Just a fun way to say same speed. <laughs> Thanks. Thank you. Fuck. Bello's gonna... I just wanted a slice of pizza. And Bello turns back into himself. Albie's gonna run up alongside Bello, hook her arm into his, and pull him as fast as she can run.
from Midroll Style. It's producer Taylor coming at you up uh, advertising style to tell you about our sponsors for this episode. I'm a little rusty. I'm getting back into it, folks. Oh, hey, uh, number one slot this month is our old friend, Inked Gaming. Now, you've probably, unless maybe you're a sociopath and this is the first episode you're listening to, uh, I, I shouldn't judge. You're fine. You're, fu- you're fine. Uh, most of you have probably uh, heard the other episodes and you've heard about Inked Gaming before. In fact, uh, we, we were all just in Indianapolis for Gen Con, heard of it, and uh, we got to meet people who had heard about Inked Gaming on Rootails here on the show and then had the custom gaming gear printed up with Rude Tales art on it, and it was beautiful. I actually saw someone's playmat. I said, that's incredible. It's a beautiful Rude Tales art on it. That's awesome, how'd you get that? And I, folks, can you imagine the surprise and delight when I heard the name Inked Gaming echo back at me down those hallowed Indianapolis halls? But let's just pretend that you have forgotten. Ink Gaming was built by gamers of four gamers. They, they, they are a trusted one-stop shop for adventurers who wish to level up. Get it? Level up their setups with high-quality gear. Why, what kind of gear? Gaming gear, you ding-dong. Premium dice bags, playmats, mouse pads, and so, so much more. Really, check out the inkgaming.com, and the, the options are not limit, not limitless. We live in a world with physical laws, uh, but it's a lot, uh, and it's all customizable. So you, you can go there and upload your stuff and have these beautiful things made. I've had these things in my house. I have touched them. I have felt them. I have smelled them. They are a delight to be in the presence of. Uh, and now I've seen some with Rutels on it, and I love it. And not only can you get your own stuff printed, your own stuff custom made, but already on the site are tons of things that have already been designed by a vast selection of awesome art from some of the most talented independent artists in the world. Why? Because part of the mission of Ink Gaming is to support the designers in the scene by helping them to gain as much recognition and commissions for their work as possible. That's right. Every Ink Gaming artist receives a commission for sales that feature their designs. Ink Gaming is a tight-knit, small team made up of dedicated individuals who have been doing this for 11 years. And by God, Rutel's Army going to keep them in business for the next 111. Now... Since they're also our sponsor for this episode, you know what's coming. You gotta go to inkgaming slash rude tales for a 10% discount. Add some gear to your cart, use that promo code rude tales. The promo code is rude tales. Inked Gaming, thank you. Not for sponsoring the show, but on behalf of a grateful world. Oh, okay. All right, now we got something different. All right. Cue the ominous thunder and uh, uh, music. All legends are born of truths, and just as much lies, these are mine. Judge me for what you will, but you will hear my story first. I buried the village of Ampur under a mountain of ice and snow. Then I killed their god. I've stolen old magics and been cursed for it. I started a war with those that walked before mankind and lost the princess I loved and wanted to save. I've called lightning and bound fire. I am legend and I am monster. My name is Ari and this is the story of how I let loose the first evil. That is a synopsis of The First Binding by R.R. R. Verdi. 
The first binding is a South Asian-inspired high fantasy debut reminiscent of The Name of the Wind. This is the first book in a new trilogy, The Tales of Tremaine, and follows the story of Ari, a traveling storyteller who's more, guess here it comes, than he seems. That's right. Uh, Jim Butcher, the number one New York Times bestselling author of The Dresden Files, says it's crafted with patience, passion, and most importantly, tremendous love. Uh, Jonathan Mayberry, New York Times bestselling author of V Wars and Kagan the Dam, says rich world building, plenty of action, and devious twists abound. Very highly recommended. The author, R.R. Verdi, is a Nebula Award finalist and author of the Grave Report series. The setting for the novel is based on his Southeast Asian heritage, which provides a vibrant background for the story not typically seen in the genre. And I gotta give it there, I think we're all sick of the, you know, Western European pseudo-medievalist fantasy cliche. This, The First Binding by R.R. Verdi, is now available wherever books are sold. Great, we're all moving and we're running and uh, the fire begins to spread down the green and it, uh, unfortunately, this is artificial grass and it catches very quickly um, and the fire is, uh, it is moving quickly. Everybody make a dex roll. 22. Five. 12. Seven. Uh, 12. Okay, great. Everybody, uh, you're, you're moving, you're making incredible time, except for um, to Bonesby. You actually, there is a hole in the, the green where the, uh, you know, a little hole for the balls to go into, and your um, your foot just gets caught in it, and you fall forward, just like uh, collapsing into a pile of bones. And Stir Fry, you were right behind him. You trip on the bones, and you just land into a pile. It's just bird and bone. It's Because uh, remember, you're a, a parrot now instead of a crow. Uh, and so it's just little bits of like uh, a bright blue wings here, and a a black beak there and bone there and it's a mishmash of this horrible uh, pile of bird parts and bone parts everywhere. Ah, Frederick! Ah. Mel is in the back. He's going to scoop both of you up under the arm. He just takes a big pile of bone and bird. So he's got Mona under one arm and a bunch of uh, bone and bird and, and both of you guys in one big pile under the other. And he says, Oh, let's go, guys! <laughs> A, a terrible day. <laughs> All right, Val is going to be, she's uh, perched on a, a palm tree and she looks at Bello and she's like, Bello, which way? Which way, Bello? You're the one who knows the way. We just got to take a left here where the bike shop usually is. All right, great. Um, yeah, you, 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 you come up to uh, where the bike shop usually is and there is no longer a bike shop there. And instead, uh, there is a small uh, sort of a beach tent city of j- just beach tents. And there are a few people just like huddled under the, the tents. And some of them, they, they reach out to you, uh, but they have sandy complexions. And one of them has a big beard made entirely of, uh, of sandcastle sand. Uh, and they, they look up at you and they say, Grammules, Grammules! And Mona calls out to them and says, Not now! Not now! Bella, just point the way! Yeah, we just gotta keep going down this way. Albie pushes and digs even deeper and runs at the top of her speed. We just gotta keep going this way and then we'll hang her right at the skate shop. Okay. In this sort of pile of 
bones that he's experienced before, but now that it's bones and wing and beak, Frederick remembers what it was like to simply be a consciousness amid others in the mangle of the shish kebab express and reaches out to stir fry. <laughs> stir fry, what if we have a little fun on our way out of here and expedite a little bit? Hmm? Wait, you're talking about having fun right now, Fred? I mean, I, 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 I've wanted to hear these words my whole life, but what, what, what are you talking about? We have to get out of here quickly. Let's be a bike! Oh, Freddy, baby, yeah! Stirfry's hands start grabbing whatever bone or limbs are, are near him and start connecting them like tinker toys to start forming handlebars. As he's doing this, Frederick is oozing out green connective tissue, locking pieces into place, and forming rigid bones and flappy wings into circles and gears, and they're combining together, and then Stirfry's head becomes the bicycle seat. Great, and Stirfry, your head, uh, Mel's butt just sort of like naturally sits right down onto the bicycle seat, and Mona falls forward into a little basket of just little skeleton hands uh, up front, just a little, uh, just up there in front, and uh, Mel goes, oh, whoa, whoa, what the hell? And Mona goes, oh, Bello, your friends are a bicycle. <laughs> pedal, old man, pedal. Uh, Mel pedals and pedals and pedals, and you guys, uh, you're making incredible time. <laughs> As we're moving, Stirfry knows that we're just not done yet. He takes a deep breath. Stirfry blows the Bonesby's skull right to the very front, right above the front reel, like a decal or ornament. Basically, this bike looks cool because there's a skull on the front of it. So you are on a mini golf course, and the ground is uneven, and it is shifting under you. And some of the holes are moving up, some of them are moving down, uh, and there's all sorts of tiny little novelty volcanoes that keep popping up out of the ground, and they shoot steam, or they shoot margarita spray at you. Cordelia, can you make a dexterity roll for me? Oh, fuck. Okay. Oh, jeez. Six. Okay, six. As you run past one of these volcanoes, it just pops up out of the ground and sprays margarita mix, and it hits your hand, Cordelia, and it hurts. It hurts like a sunburn, and there's no aloe in sight. Uh, <laughs> uh, so Cordelia's sprinting, and she's trying to, you know, manage all these obstacles, and she yells out, uh, Junior! And Junior uh, appears just sort of uh, on uh, on top of Mel's head, just sort of looks to the side at you, and uh, uh, Junior just sort of casually rests a little uh, cat paw on a cat elbow and the other paw on its head. It tilts its head coyly at you and says, Hey, Cordelia, how's every little thing? Oh, good. Okay, run ahead and just make sure that we the way to Town Hall is still clear. We can't run on any sand. Oh, you can't run on sand? Move it, mister! <laughs> You're so weird. Uh, and Junior just sort of disappears. All right, we're passing by the community center soon, but be forewarned. Usually there are kids playing dodgeball there. Oh. Okay. Great, you run past the community center, and it has been completely, it's been like ripped inside out, and the outsides of the community center are on the inside, and the insides are on the outside. And you see... Children who usually play dodgeball have been transformed into seagulls, subsentient seagulls, and they're just tossing beach balls back and forth, back and forth, back and forth. Uh, as we sprint by them, Cordelius yells in seagull, Let's go! This place is coming down! Come with us! The seagulls turn to you and all at once, uh, they say, We're children! We're children! We're children! And they start flying uh, and following you. 
Great. So you, you, there's like a V of seagulls fo uh, following you guys. So up front is Bello. You got Bello and Val and Mandy and Albie up front. And then a little further back is Cordelia. And then you've got the bicycle being ridden by uh, Mel with Mona in the seat. And the bicycle, of course, is made out of the Bones Bee and Stir Fry. And they're trailing a trail of snot. And behind them is a flying V of seagulls who are just shouting, We're children! We're children! We're children! <laughs> All right, now we just got to get over Brian Memorial Bridge. Great, and you make it to this rules. You make it to Brian Memorial Bridge, but unfortunately, Brian. but it's not a bridge anymore. It's a limbo stick. It's a single limbo stick. Every single one of you, you need to make a dexterity roll if you're going to be able to. You've got to cross the limbo stick, and no, you can't go under it because under it is sand, and as we know, the sand is deadly. This is no tribute to Brian Doyle. Uh, yeah, meanwhile, there's a statue of Brian Doyle, uh, that, which, which is nearby. The statue seems mostly unchanged, except now built into the statue are, uh, it's like a, a, like a thong speedo. And the expression on Brian Doyle, uh, he's looking down at the thong speedo in revulsion and disgust. He's not comfortable with his body and he shouldn't be expected to be. <laughs> uh, nine. Nine? Okay. <laughs> so, Cordelia, uh, you're, you're first. You, uh, you go onto the limbo pole. And you're balancing to the left, to the right, and you begin to fall. But then you hear, we're children, we're children, we're children. And the seagulls, uh, you fall to your left and a group of seagulls, they, 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 it's, there's just enough of them. There's 12 uh, seagulls and they're able to sort of lift you back up, Cordelia, and push you to the other side of the bridge. But these children keep flying forward, shouting, we're children, we're children, we're children. They're children. <laughs> Cordelia, you've made it to the other side. Nobody else has. 15. Nine. Okay, great. Um... <laughs> So I'm still holding Bella. Hell yeah. Okay, great. Um, uh, Albie, um, you are, and you're still holding Bella? Yeah, Albie's got him by the, by the arm and she's basically dragging him at top speed. Okay, great. So you run and you are actually able to, remember, you're so nimble. You're so agile. You're able to move across that pole extremely easily. But unfortunately, you got Bello pulling you this way, pulling you that way. You almost don't make it. You slip. And at the very last second, Val grabs your hand. She's jumped. She just jumped. She has wings, which aid her in jumping. She grabs your hand and she pulls you forward. And she says, this doesn't count as the council. Uh, Mandy is going to run across the pole. And she's, it's very dense, very heavy. She did pass her dex saving throw to get across the pole, but unfortunately, the pole begins to bend just a little. She's like all muscle. This is, like, it's cool that she bent the pole <laughs> like this. She makes it to the other side, and finally, there is nobody but Mel on the bike with Mona in the seat, and uh, he looks down uh, at the bike. He goes, uh... Stir fry, the bones beat. You both feel Mel squeeze on the handlebars, and you both hear him uh, whisper to Mona, uh, it's been a hell of a ride either way. And he uh, he he starts pedaling you forward and uh, you move onto the pole. Now, unfortunately, I did just make a dex roll for him with disadvantage because come on. And uh, he does not pass his dex saving throw. And so the bike begins to wobble to the left, to the right, to the left a little further this time. Albie sees them approaching the big bend in the limbo stick. She sees them wobbling. She instinct takes over. She stomps, drives her hoof down into the earth. And on the other side of the gorge, a column of earth shoots up, launching the far side of the limbo stick into the air. This catapults the bike off into the sky.
And right as they fly through the sky, we see as the sun with sunglasses sets and immediately a, a crescent moon with also, but like jazzier sunglasses rises and we see their silhouette move across the moon and they land on the other side with a thud that shatters the bike. You guys, uh, you are disassembled as a bike. Mel is thrown to the ground. He grabs Mona. They hug each other and Mona says, oh, my little bike riding husband. And they kiss. Aww. Okay, let's go. Oh. Help. Help. We have bones and bed on floor. Bones and bed on floor. Bones and bed on floor. <laughs> Not funny. Not funny now. Mel's going to scoop you guys up into into his hands. And he's saying, Mandy, Mandy, help it out. Come on, help out. And he tosses some of you. He tosses about half of you uh, over to Mandy. And he just starts jamming you guys together. He goes, come on, guys, work with me. Cordelia is out ahead and she'd still been running, just uh, confidently assuming that all of her friends would uh, make it over the pole. And she shouts for Junior again. Junior appears uh, directly in front of you. And uh, Junior just has like a single uh, tuft of hair, which is like singed and on fire. And you've never seen Junior quite like this. And Junior says, uh, if you see the unread paperback books, don't read them. Uh, no problem. Uh, walk and talk. How's the how's the terrain? Oh, it's very uneven. I tell you that much. And there's some strange creatures, but I think you can handle them. Is there any sand? Wait, creatures? Yeah, strange creatures. I think you can handle them, though. Are they monster creatures? Oh yeah, you're gonna be fine, though. Can you take them out? Oh my God, Cordelia! I was in the middle of a nap. Take out one of them. Oh, fine. And Junior disappears. Um, up ahead of you, Cordelia, you are the first to see now in the moonlight, moving out of, there is a clear path uh, in front of you of just sunburnt sidewalk, but on either side of you, there is sand, and you see moving out of the sand, enormous, giant, swollen hermit crabs. Um, but instead of shells for bodies, they have these like strange like soda cans and like odd, bizarre like trash and newspapers that they use as their shells. They emerge slowly, uh, from the sand and with stock eyes they all turn and slowly appear and look towards you. Junior appears on top of one of them and says, I don't know what you wanted me to do but I'll try and it uh, just begins pulling at the eye stalks and the, the crab just starts picking at Junior and you hear Junior shout, hurry! Okay, so as Cordelia sees this, she's approaching at a full run and she tries to dead stop so she's sort of like ur, 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 as her heels like hit the pavement She's wants to wait for her friends, but knowing that she can't turn around to actually go back to them, she just stops and watches. Okay, okay. Okay, great. Uh, we're going to cut back now to the rest of the group. Uh, to Bonesby and Stir Fry, half of you, and it's not an even half, well, you didn't get separated correctly. Um, one of you is, you, part of you is in a pile with Mandy, part of you is in a pile with Mel. Mel is just jamming you guys together, trying to help. And Mandy is sort of like, she is, like, you've never seen this side of Mandy before. This is like, when that kid who's good at art discovers he's good at art, Mandy is putting you guys together in all sorts of cool, weird, and like more streamlined and more efficient ways. Ooh. I love what you're doing, mommy. Uh, yeah. <laughs> you hear down and uh, you hear from uh, like from half of your head, but the other half seems to be in uh, in the pile with Mel. But half of your head hears Mandy say, uh, uh, we can talk about that later. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Hell yeah. Uh, Mel, uh, Mel, you're forcing it. Mel, you're forcing it a little bit. A little bit, Mel. I, well, I, I'm I, trying. Uh, I'm doing the best I can. Okay. okay well, I'm uh, trying 
but your best isn't good enough right now. Can you just say, ow, 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 Okay, ow. you know, I actually went to PU, so I do know a thing or two, but nobody taught me about this specifically. And you're, he's just running with you guys. Um, and eventually, you guys, uh, very quickly, you all catch up to Cordelia. Cordelia, you feel the whole group flank you. And you look forward as uh, Val jumps forward onto the shell of one of the hermit crabs. She's on, like, a, a bottle of soda. And she's, uh, her, and, like, the, the moonlight hits her, and you see, like, her cool mullet sort of, like, wave in the breeze. And she looks directly at you, Cordelia, and she says, what's up? Oh, whoa, whoa. <laughs> uh, monsters, everybody. <laughs> Val jumps forward, and uh, on either side of all of you, there are giant hermit crabs that are just emerging uh, from the sand, and they they, they pinch at you uh, intimidatingly. Everybody make a dexterity roll. <laughs> Except stir-frying the bones, but you're excused. Okay, it was a good one. Mona is also not making a dexterity roll right now. 14. I got a 19. Oh, fuck, fuck. Um, yeah, I don't know. Um, I don't know what happened. <laughs> I got another fucking critical fail. I rolled a one. Jesus! Okay, the fucking all of you make it past uh, the hermit crabs. They're snapping at you and they're snapping at you. And Mel's roll isn't great. And they uh, they snap into the pile, but they don't actually manage to sever anything. Stir frying the bones. You um, you just you were put together and then you're broken back apart again. You hear Mandy. Damn it. Damn it. That was a good one. But all of you are able to dodge these pinchers, except Bello. You are so focused with the well-being of your family and the group. And you know how stressful it is when one group of friends meet another group of friends and the, you know, the code switching that you've been doing it's a lot there's a lot on your mind right now and you aren't paying clean attention as once again you are bisected right at the waist as a claw comes down and pinches you in half Now, remember, your bottom half is a plastic lawn flamingo, which is about Bellow's size at this point. It falls down slowly from you, Bellow, as your torso, just spurred by momentum, it moves forward and it begins to roll on the pavement, and your lower body begins to fall into the sand. Until at the last minute, a long, sharp tail grabs it and pulls it up uh, onto the top of one of the uh, um, onto the top of one of the hermit crabs. And uh, Bello, your your lower body as it's rolling, you can't really make out where it's coming from, but you hear Val's voice say, "Pathetic." <laughs> Shut up. And Bello, you feel Mandy uh, just like absolutely pick you up by the scruff of your neck and toss you up into the air, and she grabs you with one oh. hand, and she just got her hand. It doesn't fit all the way around your waist, although you got a spell waist. Uh, it, she still like sort of got you, uh, and she is able to pick you up. As I said before many times, she's very strong, so this doesn't pop as a weird thing. And she's moving forward, and all of you are uh, you, you get closer and closer to what Bello you would recognize as Town Hall, except it's completely shifted. It's still the dimensions of Town Hall, and it still takes on the importance of Town Hall, and it's clearly in the same part of town as Town Hall, except now, this is a sleazy motel. This seems to, this is a, this is an hourly rate motel, if you know what I mean. This has the vibrating beds and everything. This is a, a seedy, like, beachfront motel. There is a neon sign on top of it that says Town Hall 
The motel is about four stories tall, and at the top of it, you can just make out there seems to be a little oasis at the top of this this motel, this town hall motel. It seems like there's some lights up there. You can hear voices. People seem to be singing. So it's like happy up there. And right above all of that that little oasis in the night, you can see a floating sepia-toned door. How do we get up there? And at that, the door swings open to the motel. The front door swings open to the motel. And Bello, you would recognize Andrea the Brain Nomenclature, a half-elf girl who went to uh, elementary school with you, middle school with you, high school, preschool she went to with you. Andrea the Brain Nomenclature, you've known her for your entire life, but something's different, Bello. She actually, you've never quite seen her like this. It's almost like right after you left for Polaris University, same way that you got your braces taken off, she had her glasses taken off and, (laughs) yo, Andrea the Brain Nomenclature is beautiful. She swings the door open and she says, the Grammules? Andrea? Andrea, the Brain, (laughs) yes. Yeah, it's us. Can you can you help us? Yeah, of course. Get in here. Get in here now. 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 The hermit grabs. The hermit grabs. And uh, she she ushers all of you in, and you all enter. She slams the door behind her, and she grabs a piece of driftwood, and she shoves it uh, into the handles of the hotel, sort of locking it shut from the inside. And she looks around. She said, uh, "Head count. Head count. Who's here? Who's what's going on with everyone?" I'm here. We're sorry. Hi, um, Andrea. My name's Albie. Uh, we're trying to get through. We we all have to move through to, to the other side of the cube to get out of here. This place is going to go down. I know. I know. I've known forever. I Nobody listens to me. I'm the brain. Nobody listens to me. They think I'm an idiot because my own, my academic career, it was in shambles because I spent all this time helping. Bellow, no hard feelings, but I helped you study so hard. You got into school. I didn't get into school. I should have been valedictorian. It's fine. It's fine. <laughs> it's fine. And you, as she, as she takes a breath, you realize all she's wearing like beach garb that's sort of it's this like post-apocalyptic beach garb she's got like ripped uh bikinis around her shoulders um she's got these sort of like these these tattered beach towels that form like a makeshift cape she said i'm just i just i'm so happy to see the garamules i loved you guys i'm so glad you guys all wait mona where's mona <gasps> mom where- where's my and she yeah mel sort of points uh mona at her and uh mona says andrea i'm a flamingo now <laughs> she goes, of course you must have drank the water of course of course uh, 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 what's the plan stir fry what did what did naughty nico say to you before he dissolved he just said that when we meet in heaven and when stir fry talks you hear him in stereo there's some of stir fry is coming from mel some of stir fry is coming from mandy he said, when we meet in heaven, we're going to make it nasty. And when we meet in hell, we'll make it heavenly. Not the sex stuff, Fry. What did he say about how to get out of here? He just said to go straight through, which we did. We made it out the other side. I think we're safe. And at that, the hotel begins shaking. And little bits of drywall just fall. And like skin of coconut, it just falls from the ceiling. And Andrea says, we're not safe. We're not safe. We're not safe. We have to get to higher ground. Well, the only thing we can do is try and get to the roof. And then from there, well, we got to try and get to that CB door. That's our only way out of this hellscape. Of course, of course, of course. Yes, yes, I'm the brains. You're the brawn, though. Yes, let's do it. 
Andrea looks over at Bella. You've never seen her this uh, this adult. It's like in the time that you have spent on your journey, she's been on her own adventure, and she seems to have aged ten years in that time. And she looks at you and she says, "Bella, Bella, God, you, <laughs> you, but you always were." Okay, I'm huh? sorry. I'm sorry. <laughs> uh, uh, let's get up to the let's get up to the roof, and we can try and get to that door. Okay, Bello, lead the way. Well, I can't really run right now. Can somebody help me out? Yeah, Bello, of course. And Albie tries to like hold him as best she can, but she's not that strong. And he's bigger than her. Yeah, it's unwieldy. Yeah, she turns to her friends. Cordelia is distractedly just looking at Val with her <laughs> rectangle pupils as big as her eyes. Yeah, uh, Val, uh, you catch Val's eye, and Val, uh, it's, uh, she's, Val's extremely confident, and she says, what's good? <laughs> Keep looking at me. Yeah, okay, I think I will. Mandy, stop, stop trying to make us our beautiful forms again. Make us legs. Oh, please, that's easy. Dad, over here. And Mel is going to toss the other half of you at her. And she just, she's like a, a fucking a smart kid with a Rubik's Cube. She's just moving bone and feather in and out of each other. Uh, and you actually, she makes you into large demonic legs. You sort of, the knees bend backwards. Uh, they're sort of like these goat legs and they're bone and bright blue feather. Um, you have a, a tail. She really has sort of made you in the form of, uh, of, of like a, a Something, some sort of creature from hell. She's just acting on instinct, and her demonic heritage sort of allows her to do this. She puts them together. She, that's right. That's right. Oh, yeah. That's like a demon. But I'm not a demon. I'm a tiefling. It's a different thing. It's very rude to call a tiefling a demon. Ah! And she puts you all together, and uh, you are a lower body for Bello. She attaches you to Bello, and Bello, <gasps> you uh, you now stand at about eye level with Mandy. Oh, one uh, uh, one hoof begins to turn. You see the face of Stir Fry. Yeah, Stir Fry, your beak is just like on the ground. <laughs> I'm thinking like a Voltron thing, you know what I mean? Where it's like, I know. Yeah, 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 yeah. The other foot turns. It is Debozzi's ribcage. <laughs> uh, yeah, Mandy's just gonna like cross her arms and she's like, haha, I rock. Mandy, honestly, this rules. Boys, you gotta be feet. Let's go. You've Got it, blue boy! You hear from your butt? <laughs> That's where his skull is. The Bones Beat Stir Fry needs you both to make dexterity rolls. 18. 13. Oh. Okay, great. One of the legs is moving better than the others, but uh, you are, <laughs> Bello, you are uh, confidently and correctly moving up the stairs. The only problem is your brain has no way to send information down to these legs, so the legs are just sort of, like, guessing and guessing, and uh, the DeBonesby foot keeps, like, stubbing its foot and, like, hitting its foot on the stairs because, again, it has no way to really communicate with you. So, Bello, you are just lurching forward. It does not feel comfortable. It does not feel safe. You are much further up than you've ever been. Uh, and let me tell you, when you suddenly get really tall, it fucks with your center of gravity pretty bad, and so it's very uncomfortable and strange for you. But luckily, Andrea is with you, and she's like, this way, this way. Take, take a left, take a left. Legs, bellow, take a left here. Legs, bellow, take a right here, up here. One step, two steps, three steps. I know this hotel, I know this motel like the back of my hand. Yes, of course, great, great. And we're climbing the staircase. We're getting higher and higher in this pretty tall motel. And as we go up, we're passing, um, we're passing like portraits of, of sunny beachscapes. But as we get higher and higher, the people in the beachscapes 
change from just like generic sunbathers to people Bella recognizes as neighbors and their faces are in agony and rictus grins. Absolutely. And there's there's motel rooms uh, just lining every hall. Every time you guys walk into a hall, some of them, um, there are they have all been painted over and they're completely shut and you can hear crying and pounding coming from the other side. Some hallways are completely clean. Hallways of doors. One door will open and a strange, incredibly long parrot-like creature will move out of one door into another. Both doors close before another door opens and an odd submarine move that seems to be made out of uh, flotation material will move out of one door into another. You move up another story. You're on the top floor now and there is an entire row of doors. All of them are open and all of them seem to lead to a different vacation destination. One of them leads to a beautiful cabin up in the mountains, except that the mountains are upside down when you look out of the windows out of this door. One of them is uh, a, a beautiful uh, a beachfront uh, location, except all of the beach and the, all of the water at that beach is black tar. Uh, and you see strange prehistoric creatures struggling in the tar and drowning. One of the doors is open and every single one of you see a different vision through that door. You see a picture of your own home uh, and you see somebody staying at home, taking a staycation uh, at their own home in that, except they look at you and they have your own face and they put a finger up to their mouth to show you, but when they do, horrible static comes out of their mouth and the door slams shut. But finally, you are able to make it up to the top of the stairs, and there's one final door which is marked Fire Exit, only open in case of emergency. Bello sees that sign as he's climbing the stairs with his new legs, and he looks at it and he says, I think this is an emergency. And he's got to blast the door open with a big punch. You blast the door open and the fire alarms all go off, except the fire alarms, they're all steel drum sounding. And from out of the uh, the, the water, the, the fucking the water that comes down, you know, it's on fire, you want sprinklers. water. Most of all. Yeah, the sprinkler, thank you. I'm talking a lot. <laughs> out of the sprinklers comes sugary tropical uh, drinks. With, you can smell the rum in them. And it begins, to, uh, it begins to fill very rapidly. And you can see if you look down the stairs, uh, a sea of this is beginning to rise. Is this the sugary drink that's going to like sunburn us or is this a different sort of... Uh... It smells a little different. It doesn't seem to be the one from before, but it is rising quickly. And you can see when you look down, you see shipwreck, uh, wreckage from, from wooden ships, from old pirate ships seems to be moving around down there. And you hear horrible churning sh- sounds and you can see shark fins emerging from the sugary drink as the water level rises and rises and rises and gets closer to you. It's on the second story now. It's moving up to the third story. What are you going to do? Fins to the left, fins to the right. Everyone, be careful! Let's go, let's go! I'm right behind you! Now that Bello is on the roof, he's going to look up at the Sebiotone door, and he's going to use his druid powers. He's going to charge himself with the energy of nature, and he's going to cast Entangle, which sprouts grasping vines from the roof of the motel all the way up to the sepia-toned door to create a bridge for everyone to climb. Bella, without even thinking, you cast this. And as you do, you see these vines, these tropical vines growing up out of the roof of the motel. And as you look, you can see that they are all extending about 12 feet into the air to this floating sepia-toned door. But as you look, you can also see something else. For as the last person, Mel, again, bringing up the rear, closes the door behind him, you see the door 
fall, and scatter in the wind like sand. There's no way back down into the motel. And you can see the pool all around you. You see a karaoke machine set up. Free music is playing out of the, the karaoke machine. And the pool around you, which is lit from below, begins to bubble. And then it starts bubbling more and more and more and more. And you can tell that this pool is boiling. This is a boiling pool. You can smell the chlorine and as it cooks. And from out of the pool, an enormous flamingo neck emerges from the pool. This is the drawing of the flamingo that you saw earlier. It looks like the dragon on the edge of a map, but it is a flamingo neck. It stretches infinitely into the air, and it takes a swipe with its enormous illustrated beak, knocking all of the vines away. The flamingo shrieks out into the night. Oh, God! Oh, game over! Oh, my God! Andrea gasps. Oh my god, I can't believe I forgot. What? It's the flamingo dragon. It can be in any body of water. It's... it's I can't believe I forgot. That's why we don't use the sepia door. Bellow, I, I, I'm sorry, I forgot. It's been so much adrenaline, Bellow. The flamingo dragon. Andrea. It's Andrea. Ah, yes, quite the rude tale indeed. That was a Carly Monado as Albie, Ali Fisher as Cordelia, Tim Platt as Stir Fry, Christopher Hastings as Frederick de Bonesby, Joe Lepore as Bello, and Branson Reese as everything and everyone else. Rude Tales of Magic is produced and designed by Taylor Moore and edited by Casey Tony at Fortunate Horse with additional sound design from Michael Gelfi and is always under the gentle but unyielding gaze of our dark benefactors Tyler Buttons and Sidney and Benjamin Paul. See you next time, weary traveler, when you most desire even more rude tales. Of magic. That was a headgum podcast. 